Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1. My son, if thou hast been surety for thy friend, hast stricken for a stranger thy hand, too, hast been snared with sayings of thy mouth, hast been captured with sayings of thy mouth. 3. Do this, my son, and be delivered, for thou hast come into the hand of thy friend. Go, trample on thyself, and strengthen thy friend. Surety, which is mentioned in verse 1, is when you co-sign on a loan. This is one of the stupidest things that anybody can do. You should never co-sign on any loan. And the Bible speaks of this in Proverbs more than once. Co-signing is when you promise that if they don't pay for the merchandise they're getting, that you will pay it for them. And of course, anybody who requires a co-signer is not good with money. They haven't proven that they pay their debts off. So you're co-signing for somebody who already has a bad track record, which means you're responsible and most likely you're going to end up paying for that debt. If you aren't the one getting the product or the services, you shouldn't be the one paying for it. It's one of the most codependent things you can do. And along that line is also having joint checking accounts. Whenever there's a joint checking account, one person takes financial advantage of the other. One person is going to overspend, or both, because they'll think that the other person's income is always going to back up all of their bad choices. Joint checking accounts and co-signing on loans makes no financial sense because it encourages the one who has less self-control to continue being irresponsible. If both people have an income, they should each have separate accounts. That's the only way to keep everybody honest and responsible for what they're spending. The Bible is telling us, don't be surety on a loan. And it says, if you have vowed that you're going to pay for what that person wants, then you're going to have to hound that person until they pay it up. Otherwise, you'll have to pay it. Four. Give not sleep to thine eyes, and slumber to thine eyelids. 5. Be delivered as a roe from the hand, and as a bird from the hand of a fowler. It's saying don't rest until you know that that loan is paid. It says in verse 3 that you are in your friend's hand, meaning you're at their mercy when you co-sign on a loan with them. Even if it's your spouse, if you're co-signing on a loan, you're at the mercy of your spouse until that gets paid. Let people be responsible for their own spending. 6. Go unto the ant, O slothful one, see her ways and be wise. 7. Which hath not captain, overseer, and ruler. 8. She doth prepare in summer her bread, she hath gathered in harvest her food. If you're a lazy person, look at ants. Look how hard they work all year long. And in the summertime, they work double shifts to have food for the winter. One of the reasons that poverty exists is because people don't want to work. I've known young people who refuse to take jobs that they think are beneath them. And that is very unwise. That's the same thing as being lazy. They won't work at a fast food restaurant or at a gas station because they don't want other people to see them working there. So they just go unemployed for months and months out of pride and out of laziness as well. If they would just humble themselves and take whatever job they can get, they would be a lot better off. 
9. Till when, O slothful one, dost thou lie? When dost thou arise from thy sleep? 10. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little clasping of the hands to rest. 11. And thy poverty hath come as a traveler, and thy want as an armed man. It's saying, how much longer are you going to be lazy with your life and not get a job? We don't have to have executive jobs. We don't have to make a million dollars. Just get whatever work you can. The Lord doesn't look down on us if we have a humble job, but if we're lazy, that is evil. And it says you think that you're just sleeping for a little bit each day, but all of those days add up, and one day you wake up and you're impoverished, and it has come on you as if an armed robber stole all of your money. 12. A man of worthlessness, a man of iniquity. Iniquity means sin. Walking with perverseness of mouth. That's somebody who cusses and tells lies. 13. Winking with his eyes, speaking with his feet, directing with his fingers. Somebody who puts demands on other people. Somebody who is deviant and going into dark places. All of this sounds exactly like a gang member. Gang members don't work real jobs. They practice sin. They have foul mouths. They plot against other people. They go into dark places, and they make demands that they have no right to make. 14. Frowardness is in his heart. They're always angry, devising evil at all times. They're angry at the world, and they want to get even with total strangers who they don't even know that they blame for things. Contentions he sendeth forth, and that means they're picking fights with strangers. This sounds exactly like somebody in a gang. 15. Therefore suddenly cometh his calamity, instantly he is broken, and no healing. In a moment somebody will shoot him and kill him, or he will get arrested for some terrible crime and go to prison, and there won't be any healing unless he repents. 16. These six hath Jehovah hated, yea, seven are abominations to his soul. Solomon says, I'm going to tell you six things that God hates. No, now that I think of it, I'm going to tell you seven things that God hates. So while Solomon was speaking, he thought of one more thing. And here are the seven things. 17. Eyes high. That means somebody who is proud and looks down on others and thinks that they're better than others. This would be a narcissist. Tongues false. That is a liar. And hands shedding innocent blood. That is somebody who is violent against others. Now you can be violent with your tongue as well by spreading malicious gossip and destroying people that way, or by threatening, harassing, or cussing people out and tearing them down emotionally and psychologically. That is also violence. 18. A heart devising thoughts of vanity. This is somebody who is plotting to hurt others. Feet hasting to run to evil. These are feet that run to the drug house, or run to the bar, or run to the prostitute's corner. 19. A false witness who doth breathe out lies. This is somebody who tells lies about other people, even in a courtroom. And one sending forth contentions between brethren. This is somebody that causes others to hate each other by telling lies and pitting one person against the other, or by making threats and forcing somebody to fight somebody else. And that is seven things that the Lord hates. 
20. Keep, my son, the command of thy father, and leave not the law of thy mother. 21. Bind them on thy heart continually, tie them on thy neck. What we should be wearing around our neck is not a diamond necklace that some man gave us who we were sleeping with, or a golden chain that we got because we're a great rapper or because we're a gang leader. What we should be wearing around our neck is the wise sayings of those who are in authority and the commandments of the Lord. 22. In thy going up and down it leadeth thee, in thy lying down it watcheth over thee, and thou hast awaked, it talketh with thee. Whether you are going to and fro, or you're going to sleep, or you're waking up, the commandments are with you, and they teach you what you should do. 23. For a lamp is the command, and the law a light, and a way of life are reproofs of instruction. When somebody rebukes us, or when the Lord rebukes us, it will cause us to have life, because that instruction that corrects our behavior will lead us into righteousness. We shouldn't be upset because somebody rebukes us. Even though it might hurt our feelings or embarrass us for a moment, it's worth it to listen to a rebuke. And unfortunately, we live in a society today where nobody can tolerate rebuke. People only want to be told fuzzy things. They don't want to be told anything real. Like your foul mouth is annoying everybody in the room. And that's why people don't grow up. 24. To preserve thee from an evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Now here it's talking about an adulterous woman or a prostitute. They'll often use flattery to get you to sin. And this can go the other way as well. A woman can be drawn into an adulterous relationship with a man who flatters her. 25. Desire not her beauty in thy heart, and let her not take thee with her eyelids. Don't fall for somebody just because they're good looking. In ancient times, it would be women trying to entice men because men had the money. But today, both men and women have income. So a lot of times, men are trying to entice women into relationships because they want that woman's money. This also happens on the internet with fraudulent scams. They will try to romance you over the internet to get access to your checking account. And they're tapping into your ego. Let's not be ruled by our egos and let's not fall victim to flattery. Having a big ego is what causes other people to be able to take advantage of us. 26. For a harlot consumeth unto a cake of bread, and an adulteress the precious soul hunteth. It says all a prostitute wants is a little bit of your money, but the woman committing adultery wants your soul. Now this is true the other way as well, since a lot of men are trying to entice women into adultery. That man wants your soul. He doesn't just want your money. 27. Doth a man take fire into his bosom, and are his garments not burnt? This is saying, if you put hot coals on your lap, it's going to burn through your clothes and burn you. And that's what it's calling adultery. Engaging in adultery is like putting hot fire on your lap. You will get hurt. 28. Doth a man walk on the hot coals, and are his feet not scorched? And again it's saying, if you play with fire, you'll get burnt. All of the wise sayings of today are just remakes of the ancient proverbs that King Solomon spoke. 
29. So is he who hath gone in unto the wife of his neighbor. None who doth touch her is innocent. There's no way that you can claim that you were innocent when you have an affair. There's no way of looking innocent. 30. They do not despise the thief when he stilleth to fill his soul when he is hungry. 31. And being found, he repayeth sevenfold all the substance of his house he giveth. This says that people might feel sorry for a hungry man who stills to get food, but they'll still make him pay seven times over what he stole to make up for it, even if that means that he loses everything in his household. Even though they feel sorry for him, they'll still make him pay. 32. He who committeth adultery with a woman lacketh heart. He is destroying his soul who doth it. 33. A stroke and shame he doth find, and his reproach is not wiped away. So it says, but if you commit adultery, nobody will feel sorry for you. You're going to get beat up by the woman's husband, and for the rest of your life, it will be a shame to you. The whole town will always know that you did that. Whereas the poor man who stole the food, they'll make him pay for it, but they'll feel sorry for him and eventually they'll forgive him, but they'll never forgive the adulterer. 34. For jealousy is the fury of a man, and he doth not spare in a day of vengeance. 35. He accepteth not the appearance of any atonement, yea, he doth not consent, though thou dost multiply bribes. You can't pay a man off when you have slept with his wife. You can't give him money to calm him down. He's going to hate you and he's going to get revenge. That's what these two verses are saying. It's kind of a no way out situation. God may forgive you, but people won't forgive you. And that concludes Proverbs chapter 6.